Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Hey everyone, Caitlin here. I'm going to start us off with our high fives and face palms. And mine is, as many of you know if you've been listening, I am like T minus a week from my due date. And when this posts, probably even sooner. So, um, you might have had the baby when it posts. Yeah, I'm actually, I was actually just thinking that. I'm like, actually, when will this post? So, heck, yeah, that's true. So, I'm getting there, which is really exciting. And I remember feeling this with my first pregnancy, but my high five face palm, it is kind of both, <clears throat> is just to nesting in general. So, if anybody's felt this, it's it's like a really good thing because I feel like I have, like, I had like this really great surge of energy there for like a week or two where it was like, I was just like, going like putting things together cleaning things like and I felt like excited about it like it was like this really great energy and then I kind of hit a wall where I was like oh I'm so tired like I was like I am really tired and I could feel my energy just like dropping but my motivation is still so, like the nesting motivation is very strong like I feel like I have so many things that I really want and feel like I need to do but yet my energy level is just like way and low like I feel like I'm like a steam engine and, and when the middle of the day hits I'm like I can't go on like I must stop so anyway it's been good but I also feel like I think Cameron is like okay when is the nesting end? like he's like when does the nesting end like, because he's also now had to take on so much of the nesting responsibility because again, the, cracking the, the spirit's willing but the flesh is very weak so anyway so that's kind of my high five face mom and a huge high five to Cameron because seriously he was like up at seven and like working until seven at night like just doing he's like okay what else can I do and I'm like okay well could you do this because anyway so it's been great he's been very helpful and I'm really grateful for that and I am really excited for the baby but that's like an interesting it's like an interesting urge to Mm -hmm. feel Mm -hmm. and um I think I'm just I'm like learning how to deal with it yeah trying to revisit the essentials and be okay with certain things that just it's okay let it go yeah Yeah. let (laughs) it go I love the when does this phase end? <laughs> so are we done? Yeah, I think like his question was like, so when does it stop? Like I'm like, I I was like, do you feel? I think I was like, do you feel like we're ready? And he's like, well, maybe not. Like I, don't know. I'm like I don't feel like we're ready. Anyway, because <laughs> oh, part of the reason is too, we just finished our basement, so there there actually is like a little bit more to do than simply just like cleaning. Like we had a lot of like re putting things back. Just for like listeners, it's not simply just like cleaning my house. We had a lot of stuff going on, and our house was a little bit in influx, so it was even more so of like, all right, everything's got to get settled mm-hmm. quick, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, oh yeah, well you don't have to justify that. I have never been finishing a basement while having a baby, and I felt that nesting every time. But yeah, you're right. Then you get really sleepy, and it's really hard. It's weird. It's hard balance. It's weird. Okay, well my. Before I do my high five, I actually just want to give a little disclaimer about our sound. Our recording studio has now been being remodeled. Like, it's literally torn apart for the past, <laughs> I don't know, many weeks. Oh. So we're in a conference room. It's a little echoey, so I'm sorry. But um, my high five is to carpools. So I've never actually done carpools. I mean, I've done like a little here or there, dabbled, dipple dabbled. <laughs> Strawberry dip and dubbed. <laughs> Strawberry dip and dubbed into it. <laughs> Um, but this year I have kids in two different schools. And so I was like, yeah, let's, let's do a full actual carpool. And wow, it's kind of amazing. How did I not ever do this before? (laughs) As Parker would say, you set up the system and everything else. Yeah, it's nice. So carpool, high five carpools. But the setting up is kind of tricky. A little front end investment. All right. So I have a face palm to injuries. My house right now and everyone in it, including myself slightly, I keep just like stubbing my everything on everything, are just like injury central. And I think it's like magnified by Wes because she is the most crazy baby ever. And every time I walk in a room, she's climbed up to the highest point of something. Yesterday, 
It was onto the piano. Oh, no. Saying, I hear her just going, ah, and I hear, like, piano keys. I think she's just, like, pushing the piano. No, she's standing up on it. <laughs> or the island or anything she can climb, she climbs to the very top, which I've never had a climber, nor have I ever baby-proofed anything, like baby-proof locks or toilets or anything or, like, because my kids just didn't get into that kind of stuff. So she's constantly falling, hitting her head and everything on everything. And then yesterday, all of my kids, within a matter of probably 20 minutes, either crashed on some sort of wheeled item like a scooter or a bike or just, like, fell. Cohen comes in. We're trying to get to a soccer game, and his whole arm is gashed up and needs, Whoa. like, all these Band-Aids. I'm like, what are you doing? He's, like, playing tennis. Nope. <laughs> How do you actually get injured playing tennis on your, like, a big skin on your elbow? Like, are you diving? I don't understand. Anyways, so face palm to injuries. We're just, like, injury central at my house. Nothing big, like, go to the doctor, but just kind of, like, the annoying ones where you have to take, like, 20 minutes because they're crying. Oh. So that's my face palm. Um, I was going to say, does Wes, like... Tend to tip. Does it feel like she sets like booby traps for you sometimes? Because I feel like sometimes oh. with that age, they like are getting things out, and then all of a sudden, like me and Cameron will be like, "Oh, like here's a booby trap. We gotta move it." Because it's like somehow like perfectly set up to like step on the most sharp thing oh. that could ever be around. Anyway, and we don't have any cabinets on because yeah. we're in the middle of remodeling this house or whatever. So she can get into any cabinet she chooses. Yeah. And anyway, and so that's fun. Yesterday, or a couple days ago, she got into our giant Costco of brown sugar, and we're just eating it by the fistful, which cleaning up brown sugar Ooh, is horrible. It's so like, sticky. It makes me feel sticky. Like I she don't. was like, looked like she'd been to the beach, like her whole face is just covered in sand brown sugar. Anyway, it's not good. Not a good face. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, so we today we're going to be talking a little bit about – the balance between connecting and also being able to like be separate from the outcomes of things. So first we're going to kind of start with like connecting with ourselves and in the situations that we have and being able to separate from outcomes because sometimes we're in situations where it's like we really can't control the outcome, but yet we still want to feel connected and in, in the place rather than resisting it. And then we're going to kind of segue into um, connection within our relationships and finding that same balance. So Something that kind of got us thinking. So I had, so last time I was pregnant with my first, and I've been thinking a lot about just birth and different things with that coming up for me. And so something that I was thinking about was, so with uh, my birth with my first, I had kind of this idea of how I wanted to go. Like I had a vision of how I wanted to go. I felt like I had kind of been doing some practices and exercises most of my pregnancy, both like mentally, emotionally, physically, to really prepare myself to be able to have this beautiful birth that I had imagined. And one of those things that I had wanted was to be able to just at least go naturally for as long as I wanted. It wasn't that I was like against having an epidural or block, just for anybody who <laughs> wants to know. But I just wanted, I wanted to be able to like go naturally. I wanted the baby to be able to come when he was ready to come. Like I felt really good about that. And then, and my whole pregnancy had been very uneventful. And so I had no like contraindication for why it would be anything different for me. So I had gone just, I had gone past my due date and I had met with my care provider and everything was good, but I had like a high blood pressure reading and that made them do like a couple more tests just to see, because basically for any of you guys who don't know, if you are pregnant and you have some of these signs, it can be a sign it can lead to preeclampsia and some other complications and like liver failure. It's a whole thing. And because I was already past my due date, she was like, I really recommend that you be induced. And again, I just want to clarify, it's not that being induced is bad. It just wasn't something that I had planned on or envisioned for myself. And so when she told me this, it was all of a sudden like this blind side of, I had, it was something that I had pictured and imagined. And then I felt like it was changing and it wasn't what I wanted it to be. And so because of that, I was feeling like a lot of like suffering and pain, like in my mind, like I was so sad because it was like, wait, this isn't what I had thought. And like, I wasn't planning on this. And it was kind of like in my mind, and because it was my first birth and I had nothing to really go off of, I was then kind of feeling like I was losing out on a few of, a lot of other things that I was really wanting for my birth with it to be able to like go naturally and all these things. And I remember, and so I was 
like feeling devastated, to be honest. One of the things, so Tara Lynn was actually there. So I was living in Oregon at the time and my parents and Tara Lynn had like driven up and happened to be, anyway, it was like, they were there at the time when I had found this out. I had scheduled to be induced the next day. And one of the things that she had said, and I don't know why, you know, there's some things where you hear it, but then there's sometimes where it's like, it just Does clicks. It stick till the yeah, moment that like you clicks for you it. because of the situation. You said something like, all is as it should be. And even though that just like seems like a really simple line, at the time it was like, it like clicked for me that it was like thinking that this should be something different than it is right now. Like thinking, like feeling all that pain of like, but this isn't how it was supposed to be. Like, this isn't how I had planned it. This isn't what I had worked for. So like feeling like it should be different is what was causing me that pain to feel that way. And when I realized that it was like, all of this it should be because that is what it is. Like, I am, this is what is happening. And so therefore like wanting it to be something different isn't helping because it's not. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Like, am I saying oh, that right? Yeah, yeah. And the birth experience was, it ended up being totally beautiful, even though it was not what I had planned in the beginning. It was beautiful. I had amazing nurses that were so incredible. And it ended up, though it was not exactly how I had planned it or envisioned it, it still was a beautiful experience for me. And it was great. And I think part of the reason why I was able to then connect in that moment is because I was able to let go of what I thought it should have been and be able to to be present with what it actually is. And therefore, I feel like, and I think there's like truth in this for any situation that we're in. As I continue to go throughout life, whenever there's a situation where it's like, there's always going to be things that are out of our control. There's certain things that are in control. And I think that we need to do everything in our power to like, to make those things happen. But then sometimes it comes down to it and some outcomes are just truly not, we're not able to change them. And so I think there's a lot of power in being able to detach from our thoughts and our feelings and realize that we are not them and actually just be the observer of like, I feel sad that this is maybe happening and it's okay to feel those feelings but then also realize that it's like, but by resisting like what's happening isn't helping the situation. So I can then just be present and maybe I do feel feelings of sadness or loss because of, you know, whatever it may be. And that's okay to feel those. But I think being, choosing to be mindful in those situations allows us to actually connect with the situation and with ourselves. And we're able to like take away some of the pain and suffering that we cause ourselves. And a lot of the, these thoughts and ideas come from Um, Byron Katie so um, she has a few books for any who are interested and as well as Eckhart Tolle kind of talk about this idea of when we can realize that we are not our thoughts and emotions we are just the observers of them there's a lot of power in being able to separate ourselves from that and like it allows us to actually connect like connect Mm -hmm. with ourselves and connect with the situation and be there and it can help those situations be beautiful even if they are not ideal or what we had hoped and when you're saying like what your thing that you said that was like clicked for me was and be there because when we accept the moment as it is we're not looking back to our past and regretting something that we did that oh my gosh if I wouldn't have done that or if I would have done that I wouldn't be in this situation like if I would have taken that vitamin then I wouldn't have high blood pressure right now and I'd be totally and then you're fretting over that or like looking to how my like normal reaction my personality is to like immediately like not be able to be in that moment because I'm so far planning in the future how I'm going to like fix and change it and make it what I want it and force it to be something different and when you're saying you know there is an element of but we do want to create our future as much as we can and like create you know put our best effort towards what we want in the future we talk about like future self so much but if we're not accepting each moment as it is in that moment then we're not creating our future from anything that's like actually true Mm -hmm. that's my tendency is to go into like how am I going to force this into being what I want like with our house like with the rental it was like if I just keep pushing hard enough and working hard enough then on whatever solving this in some way, then I will get to this imagined outcome that actually is an illusion because it has nothing to do with where I am in that moment. Like accepting being in our rental and accepting the unknown of 
we don't actually know anything about where we're going to live is the only way that I, yeah, it was really painful because I just wanted to create this, this future that I already had in my mind Mm -hmm. of what was supposed to happen or Mm should have happened. So the only way that I could end up in what was actually going to happen was to accept where I was right in that moment. And sometimes accepting sounds like, I'll just accept this, Mm -hmm. like defeated, Mm -hmm. but it's not that. It's the beauty of I am here right now mm-hmm. in this moment, this present moment. And I can plan right here or I can take a moment to rest and brainstorm like in this moment. But it's just not forcing. Mm-hmm. That's my tendency. Yeah. Eckhart Tolle's in, in A New Earth, he has a whole section on this concept. And we have a whole episode kind of on the idea of acceptance versus, mm-hmm. and you can move forward to enjoying and then enthusiasm mm-hmm. we'll link that and we'll link both books by by Ankini and Eckhart Tolle but I just want to echo that there is something really powerful about I mean I've I've told you guys before I used to have a real issue with the word accept and surrender those two things I would like bristle like some of you say those words and I'm like no no don't say it no 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 I do not accept things that I don't like I I am in charge of my fate here and I will change it but the key here is, and even when I hear the word detachment thrown around in like yoga or different schools of thought, I'd be like, detach? Who wants to detach? Like, mm-hmm. I want to be attached. I'm here to live. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm here to feel everything and live, and I don't want to be detached. But there is actually something beautiful. Being detached doesn't mean that you just don't care about anything, right? Although, actually, I just read a book. Uh, which one was it? About some, like... Zen master, and he said the key is like I just don't. He didn't it's say like I don't monk. care. Was it Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty? Anyway, he said like I literally get, have gone to the point where whatever happens, like he doesn't label it as good or bad. Like he just like lets it come uh. through. Anyway, so these are extreme examples of people who have like really gone to the point where good or bad comes, whatever. They're I just observing. They're the literally situation, just observing. not putting any label on. And he it. gave the example. It's some like Zen story about the guy gets accused of doing something terrible like of fathering a child who he didn't father and so they give him the baby and he takes care of the baby and loves it and then later they come back and like sorry she lied about that and they take the baby again and like I'm I'm hearing the story and I'm like no but he was just like there's good that comes from everything he looks for the good or whatever and also in that I think in think like among the story of the cow where it's like you're given this cow and to the farmer they're like oh that's so great you have this cow and he's like is it and then the cow like gets a broken leg and he's like oh my gosh I'm so like that's horrible your cow has a broken leg and he's like is it horrible and then like this beautiful doctor that's gonna fix the cow comes and becomes his wife and the whole concept is like we're judging each moment from our past or future like all of our thoughts in our head when really it's like if you can uh, neutralize it and just look at it as it is instead of labeling it is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the kind of the theory behind the concept of detachment. I frankly, I'm not there. <laughs> I, and, and, and honestly, this entire thing, guys, we've actually spent two now recording sessions just wrestling with this topic. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, clearly, to. we clearly have a wrestle <laughs> with it. Like we have, we have some issues, but what I'm saying is that there is something beautiful, beautiful about Byron Katie says, anytime we argue with reality, we lose, but just 100% of the time. <laughs> and there is something beautiful about realizing what your situation is, just seeing it clearly, at least, from a place of acceptance. And by accepting, I simply mean saying, this is as it should be, and how do I know that? Because it is. That's how I could tell Caitlin when her birth wasn't going like she wanted. I could say, all is as it should be. The reason why I knew that is because that's how it is, Right. right? So it shouldn't be any other way because it isn't any other way. That's how I know, right? Mm-hmm. So, but, but once you say that, then I have this feeling and it gets me really excited because once you can accept that this is how it is, and I'm not fighting with it, I'm not saying I should have been married 20 years ago and I'm 40 and now I'm upset about it, right? Because we all have things that don't go like we planned, right? Like, and I'm talking about like, you know, I have friends who aren't married and they wanted to be married decades ago and they're not. And so they're still grieving that. So what I'm saying is, Instead of saying, I should, like, this should have happened, and it didn't, and now I'm just fighting against that, and I'm railing against that reality, that is a place of not being empowered, right? It's just a place of discontent that's not serving you at all. 
However, if you can look at it and say clearly, so this is how it is. This is where I am right now. Once you can accept that and stop fighting against the past that brought you to this place. So you're not fighting it anymore. You're at a place where you're breathing it in. Like this is where I am. I am here. How do I know this is where I should be? Because it's where I am. Then, guys, this is where it gets exciting to me. Because, yes, you kind of detached from the judgment of what it should be what it should be and you're simply saying okay so if I see myself clearly this is where I am and it's not what I want now I can make take an inspired step to change it and this applies also to this is always on my mind and you guys hear me talk about this all the time but I have a friend right now who's going through something with abuse and she's left an abusive situation and she said that when she was in the abusive situation she would hear people talk about she'd interpret pretty much everything anybody ever said as the message. You should stay. You should forgive. You should turn the other cheek. You should be more empathetic. And to her, it was justifying staying in an abusive situation. However, once she accepted that this is what this is, I am in an abusive situation, from that space, she could leave, right? Like, it was like, I am going to change this because I accept it, that it's not oh, well, it could be like this. Well, he can be nice. He should be. I should be nicer. All those, like, something should be different than it is. Once she realizes it isn't, like, this is how it is. I'm actually accepting this as reality. Then she could change it, right? So this applies to every situation. It comes from a place of accepting what reality is and then take the next inspired step step to change whatever your reality is. So for me, it feels like, and again, I am no Zen master, so that's why I haven't wrapped my brain around the one side of the spectrum. But I think the wrestle that we've been having is, so where is the balance between detaching from outcome and still staying connected and invested in what's happening and keeping the control over, uh, maybe not, I don't like the word control, maybe keep your own power, right? right? And for us, it kind of feels like there's this balance there. And even when I do manifesting every morning, when I'm thinking of things that I'm grateful for, and then I think of something that I'm visualizing, something I desire, for me, the most important part, the most freeing part of it is I actually do detach from the outcome. So I picture it. I feel all the feelings of the thing I'm desiring. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm cultivating the feelings inside of myself. And at the end, I actually like imagine like a string when I say, when I say the phrase, this or something better for the highest good of all involved. It does kind of allow you to like, but I'm not, like, that doesn't have to happen for me to feel these feelings mm -hmm. of fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And there's something beautiful about that. Like, you're not grasping anymore. You're more, like, allowing. And, and allowing it to come to you or, or anything not. else. Yeah. yeah. Like, or nothing. Or not. Like, you realize I can tap into this feeling whether I have that thing or not. So I mm -hmm. still love it because you're still bringing all the good things towards you. But it's from this place of, like, but I'm not, like, clinging onto it and making my happiness dependent on getting these things I desire. Right? Yeah. One so, of one of the speaking of like exercises you can do so that's like you're doing that sort of in a me meditation. Yeah, I do it at the end of and if you listen to our daily meditation, like I do it at the end of the visualizing part. Yeah, and I love if if you want an exercise that'll show you <laughs> what you're actually attached to. I can't remember which which book um, prompts this exercise, but so you write a list of external stuff that you're attached to and then internal like feelings or outcomes or whatever and it's really a, that you know that you feel like you might be attached to and then evaluate it but it's really like a cool um realization to have to write down like my car and then be like whoa I'm really actually attached to that and how can I get in a, a cleaner mental space where like I could not have a car tomorrow or whatever it is my house or this neighborhood or and then you start to talk about feelings and relationships and this is where we get into the dark interwebs of why we are wrestling with this because then I say my marriage and I'm like whoa I'm really attached to that and I want to be yes. and that I choose the wrestle yeah that we that we've been thinking about and talking about, and we're calling it the island phenomenon. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because it's easy when we're talking about circumstances. It's fairly easy to be like, 
Yes, you choose your happiness. Even with your own house. Like, I mean, we've all now lived in a place that wasn't a, like, in the moment. In fact, we were doing this podcast during mine. Like, I was renting at a place that had a lot. I mean, it was hard to live in in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, I was like, see? But I am choosing my own happiness. And I am I creating my own tent. wholeness. And now that we moved out of it, I'm like, whew. <laughs> whew I'm really grateful now for the home I have, right? Because that, that, that was a different, like, I'm, I'm grateful now. But it is much easier, even with your own home, your cars, everything. It is easy to say, I can create my own wholeness from within. And I don't need to attach to those things for my happiness. But yes, relationships. Ooh, ooh, baby. They're hard, too, because... Speaking of not being able to control outcomes, I mean, literally, we can't control other people. So yeah. when you're in such an intimate relationship with anybody and, you know, family or friend, spouse, whatever, it's very hard to detach from. Like, it's hard because your your lives are so interwebbed. And then to be able to be okay with outcomes that aren't necessarily what you want, it does get a little bit. It gets a little bit hard to put some of these things into practice. Right. To be able to stay connected, but yet be okay with the outcome not being exactly what because when we're saying detach it's acknowledging that we can fill that with our own wholeness inside of ourselves and so it, that gets tricky for me with relationships because when you want to be attached to them you're acknowledging that I'm asking something from you to make this work like I'm saying I need this in return from you when detaching and saying, I don't need anything from anyone else yes. or things. Yes, and it's vulnerable to need somebody. Totally. And in really intimate relationships, it is vulnerable to say what you do matters, mm-hmm. right? For sure. Because, yeah, it's really easy for me for my acquaintances or people that I just see randomly and be like, yeah, do whatever you want. And it, you can fill that you can probably fill that void yourself or from a healthy place, be like, oh, I'll find another friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they exactly. can meet me at the park. Exactly. But in a relationship where you're invested truly, and this is any relationship where it's like, I am choosing to need you, right? Like I am choosing to actually open myself up and allow what you do matter to me. And I think it's, the, as we've had this wrestle, we've kind of come to the conclusion that it's okay, the more you want somebody an intimate relationship with somebody, it's okay to be invested in what they do and how that affects you. And so it's okay to, you are sacrificing some of the, yes, I'm so independent. Right. You're what you're sacrificing for us for something more beautiful though. And that's interdependence. So we have codependence on one side, which is where you're just dependent on somebody else. Well, it's more complicated than that actually. But <laughs> let's just say one side of the spectrum is where you're just dependent on everybody else all the time. And the one other side is total independence where like you are just like, yes, I am an island. I can do this all by myself and I don't need anything from anybody and I'm not responsible to anybody either. And then there's the beautiful place of interdependence in the middle where you're two whole people. Now we're, I'm just going, we're talking about intimate romantic relationships here where it's two whole people coming together, choosing to be open to each other and to share and need each other while realizing you still are two whole people. So as moms, we have a ton of demands on us that affect us both mentally, physically, and emotionally. And recently, I learned about an app called Mama Zen, and it's awesome. What's cool about it is that it really centers and gives you certain meditations that are specific for what's going on in your life right now. So at the very beginning, when you sign up for the app, you can kind of say what stage of motherhood you're in, whether it's like pregnant, new mom phase, or if you're like a little bit later in life and you have some older kids, and it specifically gives you recommendations of different meditations that you can do specific to what's going on in your life and the mental and physical and emotional demands that you have going on. So right now with me being pregnant, I have actually used this app for certain meditations to help me get ready for delivery as well as I'm kind of having some hard time sleeping. I wake up every two hours to go to the bathroom and sometimes I have a hard time going back to sleep. So some things that I've really liked about it is that it can give me these meditations that are really specific to whatever's going on with me right now. And I love that they can be anywhere from two minutes to 15 minutes. So whatever you've got going on in your life, you can kind of make it work for, for you. And another thing that I've absolutely loved about it is that the, when you choose a meditation, you can actually decide if you want to wake at the end or sleep at the end. So that's a game changer nice. yeah. for me. 
Yeah, because sometimes it's like, by the end of this, I got to be ready and alert to like keep going with my day. But then sometimes it's like, if it's in the middle of the night and I need to do one, I really would like to go back to sleep. So I've actually used both, which has been awesome because it's really been tailored for me and like what's going on in my life. So it's been really great. Yeah, the voices on the Mama Zen app are great. For me, a meditation with a not soothing voice does not work. So I I love their voices. I tried the release perfectionism meditation. It was fantastic. And I'm going to double down on the wake, wake or sleep. So, so great. So we have a special code for our listeners. So you guys can try Mama Zen for free for 30 days. And to do that, you just go to Mama Zen, which is M-A-M-A-Z-E-N. And that's in the app store. And you just type in the promo code, find the magic, just all one word find the magic and you get a full 30 days with unlimited access and you can try all sorts of amazing short or long meditations. Some of my favorite options are patience for never ending bedtime, being more present with my child. And they also have an SOS de-stress just for when you need a short, like you're, you're having a moment and you really need to pull it back or you can stop emotional eating when you're feeling it like right in the moment. Try it out and let us know how you feel about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So if we're going on the spectrum, we, oh man, so one side we've named these, we've named these sides, right? <laughs> There's the island phenomenon, which is what I was talking about, like the ultra independent. And then the other side is, did we decide on empty teapot? <laughs> yeah, empty teapot, dry well. Dry well. Dry anything. well. I like that better. Where you're, you're, you're giving and giving and giving, but you're just coming up empty and... And okay, so oh, it kind some, of feels like that. Can you like imagine pumping a well? Huh? Yeah, it's like, it's like there's hard. nothing, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing coming there. out. So, and we know, unfortunately, we have really good examples of this in our lives that we all know. So, let's talk about the island phenomenon. So, I've never actually heard a life coach, the people who I listen to who are life coaches on podcasts or who have their own, you know, theories. Theories. I've actually, I've never heard them. I've never got this vibe from them. They've always really presented it in a way of balance. Of you're still invested in relationships right and you're still serving people but you're also doing it from a place of choice and power which we've talked about a lot before there is something powerful about realizing i choose everything that i do i choose to change my baby's diaper i choose to be a part of a carpool i choose to clean up dishes after we eat yeah of course you don't love those things but you do them because you're choosing them because they you realize that they add value to what you think is important in your life you know Mm -hmm. that sacrifice is like the backbone of a relationship. So you're choosing that relationship over wallowing over yeah. the laundry. Yeah. yeah. And I think sometimes where we get, like, just a thought, because I actually just heard this on a podcast, and I think we get really kind of, like, enchanted with this idea of, because I heard this phrase, it was actually from Oprah, and I loved it. And she was like, I never do anything unless I'm 100% feeling, like, intentional about doing it. And I feel like at first listen, you're like, yes, like, I will not say yes to something unless I feel 100% intentional about doing it. And I think there is a lot of goodness from that, but I think we're, so I just want to point this out that I, I think it is a really enchanting thought and it feels really empowering because it's like, yes, I don't want to do something unless I feel really strongly about doing it because sometimes we say yes to things that we don't feel good about. So I think there's like this thought here that there is goodness in that, but. But the problem is, so say for example, for me, I feel like reading to my children every day is important, but guess what guys, I'm not in the mood to read a pile of books every single day. But I choose it because I feel like it's an important part of my parenting. So it isn't that I'm saying, if I only did it when I was like, I am feeling like this is a heck yes. You know, they'll say like, it's either a no or a or heck, heck yes. yes. Yeah. I do a lot of things that I'm not feeling a heck yes about, mm-hmm. right? But I'm choosing it. I'm not doing it from a place of resentment, feeling like I have to do this. I'm doing it from a place of choice and power because I want to invest in that. It's worth it to me to invest in that. So what we've seen is sometimes people are taking that quote from Oprah or they take a thing from a life coach saying, don't say yes to things that you don't feel 100% about. 
and we've seen some people, again, we call the Anna phenomenon, where they're just like, so this is a direct quote, I don't do anything I don't want to do, so therefore, no, 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 no. In like a responsibility where you've committed to somebody that you're going to do something, and you say, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want, I don't feel like that. I'm not going to do It's just like an island of self-preservation. Yeah. With a big gate around. I'm bugged with my kids, so you know what, I'm just not going to do anything to... Do the stuff for a week, whatever. Like you know, yeah. what I mean, like or with the spouse, it's like there's certain things where it's like maybe you don't want to do it. You know, like maybe you don't want to do something that means something to your spouse. It's like, well, if I don't really want to do it, then no. Mm-hmm. But and so it becomes this just kind of like everything in your life. You're just like, well, whatever. I'm just I I'm just gonna take care of my own needs here. And sorry if that puts you out, but what what like I don't I don't care. Fully just detaching from like, if you know what, sorry, yeah, I'm. I am checking out of pretty much everything, right? And the difficult thing, so I hate to say this, but this is a specific, a very specific person that we know who I'm quoting. And she does follow life coaching stuff a lot. And that's where she's getting her justification for it. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that like all her relationships in her life are suffering because she's not investing into any relationships, right? And as I say this, the, I know the people who she follows and these people do not preach this at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying this is how she's interpreted it. And so say, say, for example, with that Oprah statement, somebody may hear that and be like, well, Oprah probably never does anything that she doesn't love. But I bet throughout her career, she's, there's been a lot of tasks that she hasn't loved, but she saw the value in them, so she chose them anyways. And I think when we're coming to relationships, this is where, this is where the wrestle comes in because I think it's important to realize that we are not an island. Mm-hmm. We are connected to each other, and what we do with each other and for each other does matter. So how can we do that from a space of, I, I don't want to be a person who says yes to things that make me feel resentful. I don't want that. And then when you're there, everybody can tell. Right? Yeah, exactly. So that's the other side of the spectrum stuff. where you're giving from the empty well. Like that's, I, I don't want that. And I think that there are a lot of people out there who do live on that side of the spectrum where they're just saying yes to everything and they just feel resentful all the time. And they're, they're grumpy, doing, they're mad. Everything in their life is just a bunch of tasks that they didn't choose that they are very resentful about. So that's the empty spot. But I want, I mean, I want the people in my life, I want them to look at me and say, I don't ever have to worry about her saying yes to something from a place of resentment. Because I know that she will say no if she doesn't have the bandwidth for it. And she does fill her life with things that she loves. So I don't feel like I need to, like, coddle her, right? Mm Because she does take her own happiness in her own hands. But I also want people to look at me and say, but she helped me out when I needed her, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she was there when I needed her. And as I say this, this is like the envisioning your eulogy, right? Like I want to be the loving person that I want to be does include serving other people. And I think that's really valuable. So sometimes it is sacrificing. In fact, oftentimes it is sacrificing. And it may not be the thing that helping your neighbor move furniture into their house as you were doing, like this just happened yesterday. Like I was trying to get something done and they were like struggling getting something into their house, right? And it's it's easy just to be like, I don't want to do that. But it's like, but I actually want to be the person who does choose that. That's the kind of, you know what I mean? Like, I want to be that kind of person who does see somebody need and help. And so it feels like an empowering choice. So there's this, like, place in the middle. We should come up with something else. Well, yeah, we need a middle label. But what you're saying is exactly, at, again, we've been wrestling with this. Oh, we've got a label. Okay, this is an idea. <laughs> what about, because we've talked about, you know, um, that being assertive, how you can be a doormat or a sword. Some people are swords and they just fight everybody. And some people are doormats and they always just lay down. And the middle one is a light. And that's from mm-hmm. Julie Azevedo-Hanks. The Azevedo-Hanks. Mm-hmm. She's a therapist mm-hmm. about teaching people how to be assertive. So, okay, what about this? We have the dry well on the one side. We have the island phenomenon on the other side. What about, I love the concept of light. But, like, either, like, a light bulb where you're getting your power. You're getting mm-hmm. your power mm-hmm. from God, from your time fulfilling yourself in the morning. For me, that's where I get it. So yeah, you're you're getting your you're not getting your power source from other people. Energy in, energy out. But you are allowing anywhere you go to radiate mm-hmm. light, and that's where you can get from a place of this beautiful abundance. And you're also allowing people to influence you because light does change. It's not it's totally permeable, right? Like yeah. if you bring a blue thing up to a light, it changes the color of it. So you're allowing yourself to still need you're other allowing people. Others' needs also to influence you as well. Yes, and so you are this. But you're choosing to. But you're not a light inside of a box, and you're not getting your power source from other people either. Mm-hmm. You get you realize because I do think for me, that's a huge difference. Is I don't get my power. 
from other people. Ooh, I get it from sun. God and from inside myself. Yeah, the, the sun. Because it affects everything that it's shining on, but it's not getting its power from those things. We'll wrestle with the label. Yeah, yeah. I like If you I like guys have any ideas. It needs be something with a light. Yes. I like the idea of a mirror. I'm actually doing it for a lesson for my kids this week. A mirror shining. My husband actually shared it, and I loved it so much. I was like, I'm in charge of spirituality this month. The light, you take the light and you can take a mirror and shine it into even dark places. Because for me, I don't feel like I am the source myself. For me, the source, like the sun is God. But I do want to be a light myself. I want to channel that. So a mirror could be, I don't know. Anyway, we're going to think about this. We'll ponder. If you guys have any good ideas. But in all of that, what I heard you saying over and over again and and how I feel is best for me to decide when am I being a doormat and when am I sacrificing for something that's, you know, worth the sacrifice of the relationship. And it's always, you know, as you were talking, I heard you say, I want to be. And I just think that often like, you know, it's like my integrity, my future self, whatever you want to call it, sometimes a lot of things we do culminate into our future self and what we envision ourselves and what we're creating. But maybe in that moment, it doesn't really feel like that. Like, you know, no, I don't really want to cook dinner again and then clean up under the table again. If I think about it that way, that doesn't sound that fantastic. But my, my true self, in my integrity, I know that I want to you know, have my kids together for dinner and I want them to, you know, have that experience of home cooked meals. And I, like I have, like in my true self, that's what I want. And this is the stuff that gets me there. And it's the same with our relationships. Like just looking at the sacrifices we make and looking at the other person inside of our truth instead of maybe the emotions that are piled on top of it. And I don't know. It does get tricky with, I think, setting boundaries with people, really close friends, family, our, our spouse. Because, like we say, that boundaries are around an action or the thing. So we're drawing a boundary around, like, I won't, you know, like, my boundary is that I, I don't want someone to, like, boss me around or tell me what to do like say it's your spouse like but it is that person saying it so then when you draw that boundary around it's it's yeah it's easier when it's someone outside of your little immediate family but what do you guys think about that like I mean you can say that but what if the person's still doing the things that you're drawing the boundary around but yet you want to sacrifice because you know that that's the you know, the backbone that's going to ha- like keep your relationship. Do you get what I'm saying? Because yeah, it's the sure. person, but it is also the action. Yeah. Well, I do not have an answer for it. And I think <laughs> it is really hard. I think some thoughts that I have around it, because it is hard because it's like you can set a boundary for yourself. And, and again, this is like the basic rule of like, I always come back to like, if, if I can't control anyone but myself, then I am in charge. So like if you have a boundary within your marriage or, or just for yourself and then within like an intimate relationship say with a partner if they are like and when I say violating the boundary that actually sounds like really strong like I'm not talking about like abuse that's like a yeah. whole other ball game so we're talking like leaving just, a toothbrush somewhere yeah, that you don't want I'm talking about yeah things that or, or like leaving the meal. Yeah. or you or you want them to be you want them to help yeah like you want them yeah. to be really involved with the kids and getting them ready yeah. and so cleaning up engagement. or whatever. And, yeah. Yeah. More engagement. So I think, so yeah, this does a distinction there. And I think everybody within any marriage, I would dare say, everybody's dealing with figuring out these, these things of boundaries and setting boundaries for yourself. So there's a quote from Byron Katie. So I hope this is some thoughts that I have, because there's this quote from Byron Katie that I think is an interesting one to more just like ponder. I don't think I've mastered it, but it's an interesting thing to think about because she said something so this is what she said. If I want something for my partner, I simply ask. If he says no and I have a problem with that, I need to take a look at my thinking because I already have everything. We all do. 
That's how I can sit here so comfortably. I don't want anything from you that you don't want to give. So this is more coming from a space of like, we, I think in relationships, it's like we need to be asking for things that we want or feel like we need, right? Like that is our job because number one, our spouses or our partners can't read our minds. So like that is up to us to be able to assert it of like, this is something that means something to me. Here's why. We ask for it. But then I think where it gets tricky is that it's like, well, what if they don't do it? It's like, it's not like your first option is just like, well, because again, with other relationships, like, well, maybe I can just not be with them. But it's like, we're not going to do that with our intimate relationships. So the next thing is, is again, to look at my own thinking because I do have, so like if I'm having a problem with it, then I need to look at my own. And this goes into like a whole nother thing of, again, going to Byron Katie, she has a whole thing that's called the work. <laughs> We've talked about it a few times, but I think it is a tool that we can use sometimes in these situations. And sometimes again, it's a little harder to apply than not. But I feel like when I do that one, and again, it's like four questions, we'll link it in the show notes and online because it's a whole thing. But you ask yourself these questions, and as you do, it kind of helps you realize maybe in your thinking where you can separate, and again, maybe using the word detach, from this outcome. Because it's like, if they're not going to do it, and I'm obviously still choosing to be part of this relationship, then yeah, like, where where in this do I have control to, like, change these things, you know? Is it changing the way I look at it? It's letting them go of meeting this need for me that, in reality... Maybe they can't meet and I need... Anyway, I think it's a lot easier said than done. I'm not saying I'm good at it, but it is... I think it's like a thought of how we can come at these things from a healthier, more wholehearted space of still being connected but yet detached from the outcomes because I think we all have things like this where it's like whatever the person is that we're working with doesn't necessarily meet the outcomes that we want, but yet we still choose to we still choose to be a partner in this relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. I also think there's an element to the work of your seeing their need. Because oftentimes I feel like we get really caught up in our thoughts, emotions, story narrative about what's going on. And in the work, Byron Katie has you turn around. So it's like, I need them to help more around the house. And then you you sort of look at all sides of that um, thought that you're having that's like, they need me to help more around the house. And true or not true, whatever, I'm not saying. But as you look at it, it's like you, you start to be able to see the burdens of the other person, the vulnerabilities of the other person, the needs that they have. And I think maybe, and this is something we've been talking about a little bit, and I think we need a part two to this island and um, empty dry well thought because I think maybe there's some merit to being in these intimate relationships, being vulnerable enough to open up that line of connection to really see their needs before you start re the requesting, this, the simply asking for yours because I think for me, a lot of the times I'm over here in my narrative and all I can see is my need and I don't take the time to see mm -hmm. what might be theirs, yeah. you know? Because we all feel right. Right. <laughs> I think we all feel right when we have a need that's like, well, of course this is the right thing. So that, right. I think that's why it's and so it hard to let go. And it is our need. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's like hard to let go because it's like, well, there's a reason why. And we're being taught way. that, you know, you protect yourself. It's like we're being taught to be the island and be more like that and I think that there's a lot of merit to that especially as women I think there's been a long history of maybe a lot of sacrifice the empty well right yeah the dry well yeah as you were talking as you were saying that I think that recognizing need is so beautiful and I thought of nonviolent communication by Marshall Rosenberg which we will also link and link our episode to that but I think as humans oftentimes we are glad to meet somebody's need when they request something from a space of a clean, like when Byron Katie says, it's just a, it's a simple request. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that doesn't work for us to fill that request, right? And that happens both ways. None of us are perfect. And so none of us are doing every single thing that our, our people in our lives want, right? None of us are like living up to that perfectly. But I think the desire to meet those needs around us from a space of love and from a space of choice, I think is valuable. And also the ability to request simply without the emotional baggage and the emotional guilting and trying to manipulate somebody into fulfilling your own needs. And there is something beautiful about saying, this is a need that I have. 
that you can fulfill by doing this and then releasing them to either do it or not, right? Because we're not going to guilt and manipulate. I think that that is a really beautiful, I think relationships are a lot more simple when you can look at it from that space, knowing that, yeah, none of us are going to fully, fully live up to all of our partner's expectations fully. But I'm thinking in my own life, I remember telling Jeff, we took the five love languages test. And for me, it's physical touch and um, words of affirmation. And as soon as he learned words of affirmation were a thing for me, he has seriously not for a decade, like overwhelmed me in the best way with words of affirmation because he knows that that fulfills a need for me, right? Mm -hmm. And then there are other things that are way less important where I'm like, you know, that bothers me, the milk or whatever. That And I can think of like dozens of things where, actually, this doesn't even apply to him, Jeff. This applies to me. Where he'll say, you know, can you do this? And I try and I just fail, right? Like I'm just like not living up to the expectation. So there are times where, what I'm saying is there are times where when you do a request that it goes so beautifully. And the other times when you do request, like a lot of things, I'm like feeling bad about this as I'm saying it, but we're like, I'm not living up to a request, right? And say for example, like being on time. Sorry, Jeff, I feel like I'm like having a confessional here. But you know what I mean? Like I know that's important to him and I try and I fail over and over and over and it's frustrating for me, right? And I'm sure it's even more frustrating for him. But what I'm saying is I think that that's a beautiful space to come from of I will make a request and then release the person but I think I don't know I, I feel like there's I don't know I feel like there's a lot more to this yeah. and guys I just guys. thought I thought of what I, what I want to be I think I want to be a solar powered lantern <laughs> yes. so yes like the source I know I'm not the source of the power I hold the power inside of me but to me it does come from the sun mm-hmm. but I can move into different rooms I can be influenced by other people's colors mm-hmm. that's it I think I want to be I think I want to be a solar power lantern. I, I like that. it. Not a dry well. I think you nailed that. Not a island. I just want to be a solar power lantern. Solar power lantern. L E D. I think that's a good place just to like. Yeah. Ding. Yeah, that was good. So we're gonna wrap up here because we're still wrestling, and I think we really need a part two to flesh this out a little bit. But thanks for coming down this path with us. We're coming off the island. We're going to the solar power, solar powered lantern. <laughs> yep. I love it. Yep. All right, guys, let's find the magic. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> Brown cows. <laughs>